Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, you've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Matt. And Liz. It's eight days into the new year, and listen, we've got a lot to talk about. We talk coaching changes around the league, and it's not just a carousel this year. Jerry Jones gets his guy, and it's Mike McCarthy? Carolina is ready to hashtag drool for rule. We bid farewell to Tom Brady's season, and maybe the Patriots are about to do the same. Yes, plus a divisional round preview. So go ahead and listen up. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's the first podcast of 2020. New year, new us. Matt, how how has the uh, new year gone for you? How is this new decade? Oh, is it a new decade? Yes. You know what I don't like is these little contrarians that have to be like, well, you know, the decade is not it's not really a new decade because I've we've done a couple decade related uh, Mm -hmm. pieces for the survival kit, whatever. And we've had a couple people chirp back like, don't you idiots know it's not actually a new decade until it f- rolls into 2021. I'm like, shut up. We're all agreeing that this is the new decade thing. Just relax. So, uh, but other than that, the decade's been great. I mean, I feel like. So you've only been a little bit triggered so far. Yeah, which is pretty good. I mean, <laughs> we're over a week in and I've only got one thing to complain about. Like, that's pretty good. Great. Well, um, the NFL has had no break. We no. took last week off. and. <laughs> I needed it. I'm sure you needed it. Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. But the NFL was like, nah, nah. And I think I was proud of myself for being like, that's cool, NFL. You keep going. I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah, I, I can't do that. But Yeah, I, I mean, I, I paid attention, but I didn't feel the need to hot take it. Didn't feel the need to have a take on everything. Nope. Just absorbed it and had another shot at tequila. Excellent strategy. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're going to get into all of that stuff that happened. Um, do you want to start with that now or do you want to talk about last week's game? One thing each first. Let's go Let's go coaching, coaching first because okay. that's probably the most engaging thing at the moment. It's really the most uh, hashtagable. So I don't know if that's hashtagable. But I think so. Hashtag Mike McCarthy. Hashtag new Cowboys. I don't hashtag know. Hashtag yawn. <laughs> well, um, there we go. Well, let's jump right into it. <laughs> all right. So. Mike McCarthy is the new coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And this seems to be getting mixed reviews from the Twitter sphere and from Cowboys fans. I will admit that I had an immediate reaction and tweeted. I know I just said I didn't have too many takes, but there's only one. So whatever. Hey, it's uh, Dallas. It's <laughs> big. Right. It's big. Um, which was why settle for soft serve when you can upgrade to artisanal soft serve. Hmm. And... I have to admit, I have 
sat with it for a while and I have maybe a different opinion now, but I was interested in both your initial gut reaction and where you're feeling now. Yeah, I think both things can be true at the same time. Like this can be a very, very good hire for the Cowboys. And like, I think it's a, I think it is a good hire, but we can marinate on that for a little bit because I think the first, my first reaction was the same way where it's like, what? Like Mike McCarthy, wasn't this supposed to be all we hear about is how coveted the Dallas job is like how everybody, everybody would want to work for the Cowboys. They have all these resources. They have all this pull America's team, America's team. Jerry Jones always gets his guy and he did. At, and he, he his got guy. his and he got his guy, but it just it seems strange that this was that was guy. your big fish. So that can be true that it feels like I said it felt like a little bit of a wet blanket. Like after all that, and like we just sat with Jason Garrett for a decade, and you're finally free of that, and we go to Mike McCarthy. It feels like So this is eh. the whole the, what you're touching on is the whole ethos of why I pulled back from it a little bit. Yeah. Because if you believe and there are physicists that have said this, that like attracts like, then a stubborn and conservative head coach makes sense for Jerry Jones, who I don't think anyone is going to disagree, is both stubborn and conservative. Yeah. Right? So this makes, of course this was the guy. Of course this was the big splash. Like, our version of a big splash, and I know what you're saying, because there are the Lincoln-Riley rumors, the Urban Meyer rumors. Like, we weren't expecting Carolina to do the thing that, like, we were expecting Dallas to do the thing that Carolina did, right? Like, elevate someone from the collegiate levels. I want to talk about Mike Rule in a little bit, but, um, or Matt Rule in a little bit, but um, I also feel like McCarthy has won a Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. right? Like, there is efficacy to what he did. It didn't end well. Yeah. And it didn't end well because there was a clash between personalities, between a quarterback and a coach, right? And and some infighting and stuff. And maybe it didn't end well for Jason Garrett because of his conservatism as well. But that didn't end it. That's not why Jerry Jones stopped it, yeah. right? Like, Jerry Jones was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. As much as he wanted to do it. I mean, right. this you know that firing Jason Garrett had to pain Jerry Jones because he's been in the farm system for He's coached, been the head coach for like a decade. He's been a farm system like 20 it's plus It's a protege years. situation, yes. right? Like yeah. this is admitting not just a loyalty issue for Jerry Jones, but this is admitting failure a on his picker. Failure. He didn't pick yeah. well. Yeah. So he picks a guy who already, who has all of the things he likes, mm-hmm. but also has won a freaking Super Bowl. Yeah. And the window, as we've discussed throughout 2019, is very small here for, mm-hmm. for Dallas, right? And also... It. Everybody remembers the last thing, right? Ask yeah. any Kenyan Drake owner. <laughs> everybody remembers the, remembers the last thing. So you remember dissension with him and Aaron Rodgers. What you don't remember is the fact that Mike McCarthy improved his mechanics, mm-hmm. elevated his game, tweaked some things, and then didn't want to deal with the mouth. Yeah. I don't think Dak Prescott... I think this is good for Dak Prescott. Yeah. I think retaining Kellen Moore is especially good for Dak Prescott. Yeah, I agree. I am liking the level, like, also to me, this seems that, like, this is a choice the organization made behind, in favor of Dak Prescott, in favor of Zeke Elliott. See ya, Mari. I think, like I said, you can, like, this can be a very good hire while also feeling like a wet blanket, but you're dead on about the fact that Jones said in the press conference today that one of the reasons that he hired McCarthy is he has experience not just running a franchise, but running a storied, very popular franchise. And that's something that does not only do you have to 
kowtow to Jerry Jones by being the Dallas Cowboys head coach, you also kind of have to kowtow to the Cowboys experience. Yeah. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever been, have you you ever gone to their training camp before up in Oxnard? It's like, no, you have. I have. It's a whole experience like it's there's a, a watchtower right yeah, like a Jones yes, watchtower. yes and it's a whole and that is emblematic of the dallas cowboys franchise so i think that was something that you know there's you could have pulled some of these guys from college like urban meyer or lincoln riley and they've done similar things but jones doesn't want to wait no i agree he doesn't want the arizona cardinals experience he doesn't want to reboot he has a quarterback he believes can be a franchise quarterback he has a running back he wants the offense to freaking run through yeah. he has michael gallup who is like breaking out you know, so I also think that there is an, and I also think Mike McCarthy bought himself a lot of slack taking that year off. Oh, and as opposed to like taking a broadcast gig. This is this is what my biggest question with the hire is. It comes back to whether McCarthy was here or anywhere else. It's nobody had a bigger like PR media campaign sure. than Mike McCarthy over the last few months, like showing everybody, hey, man, I've been. I, I'm all in on analytics. I've been studying the numbers. I've been studying sports science. There's I this got, RPO thing got, that's really yeah, interesting. I got my boys down here watching tape. I got a whole staff assembled. I mean, McCarthy full on, you know, what he had a PR machine working for oh, him. Oh, for sure. So how much of that is real, though? Because I would say that the, 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 the problem for McCarthy not necessarily was the fact that he and Aaron Rodgers – clashed personality wise which is definitely part of it the bigger problem is that mccarthy you're right did all of those things that were super innovative 10 years ago and then never changed and his offense went super stale and look we can like look at this hindsight 2020 now and say some of it was probably on aaron Rodgers' shoulders because he's not played all that well like hall of fame elite level Mm -hmm. this year but the point is that mccarthy definitely went stale so how much of that is going to be different now that he's in his second Well, this harkens here. back to the believe when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. But which version? The yeah, stale should. version. Like, I believe that a person can evolve. Yeah, I agree. don't think a person can change. Yeah. And there's a difference between those things. And I'm not 100% sure we'll find out. Like, I am imagining a scenario in which the Cowboys are, are a very good team with a winning record under Mike McCarthy. But when the lights are the brightest or the stakes are the highest, he reverts back to that which he is. Like Seattle in the playoffs. There you go. Those those games. And he just refuses to press down on the gas when there is a lead. Right. That is... Can, can you can elaborate change its spots? I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't yeah. I don't think they can. And I hey, same thing for the Cowboys. Like we were weeks one through three or just even in the first month of the season, all celebrating young Kellen Moore and his new like motions and play actions and bringing all these new modern concepts to the Cowboys offense. But they were still the same old Cowboys by the end of 2019. Run the ball too much. Have unreliable skill position players. It is what it is. Now, I think one question that fantasy uh, chuckleheads will certainly be asking because you've already do we downgrade Aaron Jones because I mean do we ground down Zeke, the Elliott. There, Zeke Elliott because Mike McCarthy never fully committed to Aaron Jones will Jamal Williams be reborn into Tony Pollard and split and hey you know what maybe that's a good thing for the Cowboys offense mix in some Tony Pollard Tony Pollard's a good player like he looks like he's got the juice Matty Lacey was also a thing right so I think both so like, like both think we we don't know like it depends on I would certainly think that McCarthy. I, I think I would. First of all, I'm sorry, but like Aaron Jones, comping Aaron Jones's situation, not talent, to Zeke Elliott's in in these two um, 
options is not is not applicable. It, like, I agree. it does. It's an apples and oranges situation. Yeah, people forget that no matter how much you like might like Aaron Jones or has always liked him in his career, he was a day three draft pick. Yeah. Like he wasn't the face of the franchise exactly. like Zeke is here. So I think that's probably the correct answer. And I think the answer, regardless, is no. You don't downgrade Zeke because McCarthy has been mean to your favorite back, Aaron Jones, a few years ago. But I also think that hey, look. If he does get Tony Pollard involved, probably a good thing for the offense. So I think less than downgrading Zeke, it upgrades Tony Pollard. Perhaps so. All right, let's move on to your former team, the Carolina Panthers. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Oh no. To I, I want actually, to do it the no, other way. No, but you're you're no, you're actually correct though because Washington is now becoming Carolina 2.0. Which so do is, you want to go this way because Rivera left Washington, yeah. uh, left Carolina. Obviously, it's going to be real dogs. hard. To go to Washington. It's going to be real hard to tell the difference. He's brought a lot of former Panthers guys with him. Also, those ping pong tables got kicked they out got of the office. No more fun and games, which I actually don't think is for that organization thing? is a bad thing. Yeah. Right now. I think that Rivera could be, yeah, that's the thing right now. Like, how long is that going to last? Because it's, it is, it, on the face, it does seem interesting to like, man, they're bringing like the athletic trainer. Scott Turner's apparently. He's zeroing in. I think last time was that was the language last I heard was he was zeroing in on Scott Turner being the offensive coordinator play caller. Of course, another one of North, North Turner's boys, you know, going to be there calling plays. I don't know. It's weird to run back like the 2019 Panthers with a new team. That's a little strange considering that how that team flamed out. But Rivera well, flamed out largely, you could argue, because of the quarterback, of the quarterback situation. Right? Absolutely. So. And that's a, probably the biggest question that Rivera has to answer besides the fact like – actually, it's not the biggest question because in the long run, who gives a about Dwayne Haskins, like whether he's good or not? But the real question is can you revamp Washington's culture and everything else that's gone in there? And I think Rivera's probably the right guy to do that. Well, he has a better shot of doing it with Bruce Allen out of the oh, way. Oh, yeah. That was huge. That was that's the key. huge. Like, th- though Dan Snyder remains Yeah. Wishing people happy Thanksgiving at the press conference, <sighs> just, which is just quite a moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm not from a fantasy angle anticipate. There's going to be a lot of changes in Washington. Yeah. So I don't think it's fair to project anything right now. No, I think if we. I'm interested to see what happens to their backfield. That's a yeah. that's a point of highlight for me or something that because I don't imagine AP will be back in any real way. I have to believe that the team will move away from Darius Geis and try to invest in a new backfield, whether it's via free agency. I mean, Kareem Hunt would be interesting there. That's or um, Bryce or Love draft. is kicking around on the roster too. another banged up Stanford guy. Back. Yeah. So there's a lot of intrigue and talent and a lot of names in that backfield. Obviously, not a lot of clarity that we know right now. And it, it does remain to be seen. I think that. Rivera is a defensive guy through and through. Mm-hmm. I think that he will leave the offense to somebody like a Scott Turner. I don't know if Norv is going to go with him. I don't know if Norv is really wants to be involved as a coach at this point anymore. Maybe he just came back to get his son's jobs, and here we are. We're leaving the league nepotism and legacy as it always has been. Um, but I think that— And in our nation's capital. In how, our na- how beautiful. But it's interesting, too, having uh, the— you know, are they going to commit to Dwayne Haskins? Is that going to be their guy? I think probably because Daniel Snyder believes in him as that, a player. That, yes. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk about Carolina, the team that Rivera left. They went all in on Matt Rule. Big seven, time. Big seven time. Years, Seventy million dollars. Yep. For a college coach who does have some NFL coaching experience, a lot which of I think NFL matters. ties too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that matters. Um, I 
love this move. Mm-hmm. Me, me too. I, I am super intrigued by the Panthers now. I love Tepper for saying, you know what? Like, he definitely wants to rebrand the Cardiac Cats, right? He is yeah. not Gettleman. He is much more progressive. He is going to be <sighs> yeah. ballsy. He is going to he's going to go to Matt rule. You don't get on a plane. I will come to you. Like Mm -hmm. that is how you roll out the red carpet. That's how you show. Also like part of this is an ego move for Tepper, right? Like this is his legacy. This is it. He's taken his shot and it's rule and rule. The fact that he gets seven years Mm -hmm. gives him some space to work with. And he said too. Matt rule said in the opening press conference today that that was a huge selling point. And he also, you know, I think he Tepper will probably stick to this because it's easy to say, hey, Jimmy Haslam came from the Steelers like ownership group and has done nothing even close to this. But Tepper has really sold and can continue to emphasize the fact like it came from the Steelers like ownership group, which is three head coaches, you know, in the last like 100 years, whatever. Like mm-hmm. the stability, I think, for rule was a big like factor to not come and get booted out after a couple years and, you know, then be looking for a job again. And Rule's appeal is apparently is that of a like a culture builder. You know, he's... He's a turnaround king. He's a turnaround king. He's 44, so he's pretty young mm-hmm. for a head coach. Uh, and he also, like... He, so he's young enough to kind of relate to players, but also, like, he... I know Peter Schrager was emphasizing this on Good Morning Football. Like, he's a disciplinarian guy that still can relate to players because he comes from... The Bill Parcells, Tom Coughlin coaching tree, which obviously is toughness, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. I did see Tom Coughlin say to a Charlotte radio station, hey, if Matt Rule needs any help, I'm oh, one geez. phone call away. Tom, stay away. No, no. stay away. But still, I do, I do think that that is a good blend here for Carolina, which badly needs, I think, some stability in that regard well and everyone talks when they talk about rule success at the college level they talk about the records that he was able to turn around right temple and then baylor and how they went from losing franchises to winning franchises and baylor it's worth not even just losing franchise like a a disaster one in a let right well and and just absolutely poisoned after the whole art briles thing yeah um i think what's interesting but what, what the part of that conversation that's not getting talked about is how how did he do it and I watched an interview with Rule who said, um, listen, nobody's coming to Baylor. Like, we're not getting the top recruits. So we have to find a way to create that. We have to find the diamonds in the rough. And as someone who, like, built her career writing Sleepers articles, this completely resonated with me. Like, I want all the damn underdogs on my team. I'm going to look at the analytics because guess what? Tape is tape, but, like, those numbers give me a starting point, Mm -hmm. right? That that is a starting point. This, like, kid out of nowhere who runs, you know, a 4-2 is someone I'm going to now take a look at because these five-star recruits aren't interested in coming to Baylor. And I think that that works particularly well for DJ Moore, who's, like, a metrics maven, as we've discussed. I also think when you look at um, the amount of art, like, he's a... (sighs) It's interesting because he's kind of got that, like, smash-mouth, downhill approach, and there's a lot of RPO, so, like... Christian McCaffrey remains a cent- would remain a focal point. I have to imagine that they might want to add some depth behind him just for preservation's sake. Let's hope so. Um, but I also think this makes, assuming, and I don't know the medicals, I don't think any of us do, even if some people are posturing and saying they might, this hire makes it, to me, more realistic for Cam to stay. Because yeah. An offense that rule runs is particularly beneficial to a mobile quarterback. So assuming Newton is still healthy enough to indeed be mobile, the extra holes that will be opened up will benefit Newton. I think it's a 
I think it's gotten to a point where it's a black and white situation. Like Tepper has made very clear that he, a healthy Cam Newton will be the Panthers starter in 2020, the leader of this franchise. So the key word in that is still healthy. Like if Cam is healthy, he's back, he's here. If they don't deem him to be healthy, he's He's gone. And I think it's purely based on that at this point. It is fascinating to everybody. And it's also like, I think Panthers fans have to be juiced about the wonderful people you all are. I wouldn't consider myself one of you. I have to be juiced about the fact that like they've got this owner who's willing to sling it around. And by that, I mean the money, like you've got a guy and his D both things you've got is you've got, he's ultra rich. He's going to just be willing to open up the pocketbook for a, a a coach like this. That 70, 70 million all guaranteed by the way. Cause unlike players, those coaching contracts are guaranteed. He's going to pocket 70 million bucks from the Carolina Panthers. You love to see it. Now, the flip side of this is turning it once again to New York. On in both ways, not just the Giants cuz recall last yes, year. Yes, I was going to make this point. Recall last year when the Jets could have had Matt Rule, this guy that everybody's drooling over here today. Drool for rule. Drool for rule. That's that's the slogan right there. Uh but they didn't want to let him pick his own staff. That was the hang up. And Rule had the cojones to say like, nah. No. Not, Someone else will come after me. Someday. That makes him so much more intriguing. And ultimately, maybe it doesn't happen in a super linear, immediate way for him. But like, oh, it's, I think it's, it's a job that's going to take some time to figure it out. Yeah, it's it's but also made him so much more desirable to the NFL as someone who was like, nah, I don't need you. Yeah. Right. Like it's that it's that like I'm not interested. Always make someone interested. Bet on yourself and cash in a year later. And the Giants, the hubris that the Giants had yep. assuming this is classic Giants. that the New York market would, you know, uh, here's, I would rather live in Asheville, North Carolina than f-ing Queens any day. Like, I, um, I don't know about it. Amen. Uh, you, no question there. Hey, and it is, this is like classic Giants in the year 2020 where they do still believe that this ownership group has the lore and like the stability, the reputation of the Giants and the New York market and all this stuff. Rule never even got on the plane to go, you know, and he, well, he said, and, they, and he said Tepper today, came to him. yeah, and he said today he didn't even, he didn't call them his eight, you know, his agent obviously said like, Hey, here's our contract. The Giants like, no, we're not going to do that. But like they can say whatever they want, but I think they certainly got spurned in this situation. And it, look, that Gettleman press conference last week, I mean, it was a laughing stock. Like it just shows how behind the giant, like he called, he called analytics people computer folk. It's like your 90 year old grandpa, like is, is the GM there? Computer folk. I mean, it, what are we doing here? Right. So yeah, it's. And the quarterback situation, I mean, here he either gets Cam Newton or he gets Cam Newton as a bridge to whoever he wants. Or you get a blank slate. Right. right. I mean, I think it's probably more likely Cam will come back. And he'll find someone in the draft and there will be you can take your time with seven years and, and make that bridge happen. So the hubris of the New York market and the Giants and the Jets um, bit them in the butt. Well, we'll find out if it bites yeah, them, right? Yeah. Like in the meantime, um, the Giants decided to hire ultra touchy feely, super warm and fuzzy Joe Judge. <laughs> yeah, that guy. No doubt. Who's um, a wide receivers coach, special teams coach special for teams the Patriots. Coach. I think the talking point for Joe Judge, obviously, like I didn't, I someone was asking me like, who did the, who did the Giants end up hiring? I was like, I kind of forgot. Like in the moment, I forgot his name because I really don't know much about him. And 
I think it's super disingenuous to say, well, man, the Patriots were real bad last year in terms of the wide receiver room. Like, this is an awful hire. We don't know anything about that. You know, like, we don't we don't really know who's going to be a good – there's no – I would say there's no, like, link between this guy's a really good offensive coach, therefore he's a good head coach, or this guy's a bad – like – Well, we, we do know that the Patriots got stung by – in back-to-back games by former Belichick disciples. Yeah. So there's something that they're doing I, right. I think one thing that you could say, too, is also, like, what I've heard is that they that Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator. And just like Andy Reid gave John Harbaugh the title special teams coach slash defensive backs coach in um, Philly back in the day to, like, get him on the radar in terms of head coaching opportunities, that's what Belichick also did here by giving him the wide receivers coach title when he's really a special teams guy to because that gets you on the radar more than special teams. Like there's not a lot of special teams guys that are that are head coaches. So Joe Judge might very well be a head coach, but who the hell knows. Well, and I think the thing that's discounted is if you are a DC and you get like Fangio, right, who gets um promo, who gets a head coaching job like the benefit of all you've done is defense is defenses forever. Mm, and yeah. then and then you have to kind of find yourself um, on both sides of the ball yeah. right and that's a tough thing to do we saw in the beginning remember Fangio's taking like watching the calls from weird places like it didn't make any sense but I think for special teams you get to be um, what is it like a a something but a master of none a jack of all trades but a master of none like you get a big overview of all of the skill positions and I think that's a a benefit Um, whether Joe Judge is a personality fit here is I think going to be the ultimate test I think I think so too. Because I mean, and we've whether seen he how... will, I mean, there's a. I I wonder if he is savvy enough because that whole tough guy shtick obviously works really well in New England, but I don't know if that translates again to the New York media. Like, how are you going to play it? Yeah, I mean, I think Adam Gase, beyond what's gone on the field, his number one like his number one problem in New York is he has no idea how to handle the media. Okay, let's talk about Adam Gase for a second because I oh, sure. I I have done a little bit not a 180 but i am appreciating adam gase much more now because when he at the end of the at the end of like week 17 he was asked um in the postgame press conference if Le'Veon bell was going to be back and he was like i don't know ask joe ask joe douglas and they were like well what is what is that you know of course the reporters like trying to press and he was like i'm not in charge of personnel ask joe i loved it oh God, i really? loved it yeah <laughs> Like, I don't think Le'Veon Bell liked it. He sure didn't. He tweeted back at him with like some sort of like blank face emoji or some sort of emoji yeah. and, and like went off on social and who cares. Um, but I kind of I don't know. There's something about like Adam Gase is a mess for a million reasons. But that piece of him just being like, mm. you know how I, you like you guys have spent the whole six months writing stories about how I don't want him on my team. What the do you think? Yeah. What do you stop asking me this? Ask the guy who's in charge of it. You want your your soundbite? Here you go. Yeah, I love that piece of it. The only thing I probably, if you're a player that like likes Le'Veon Bell in the locker room and like your pals, like you probably don't like don't it too that, much. I don't think Adam Gase has like cares about cares that. about winning the locker room. I don't think yeah, well, that's. Very, I mean, that is very apparent. There and it's also that's the thing though about dealing with the media. Like it was like a week before that. Uh, Manish Mehta, the guy who's asking him that question, shredded Adam Gase. And I think that Gase is probably sticking it to Manish in that situation. But also, that's the other side of it. It could just be he doesn't realize, hey, hey, this clip is going to be everywhere and your players are going to hate it. But who knows? He got a whole offseason to 
to figure it out. I don't I don't want to I don't like jumping around, but I just wanted to touch on Dallas because we're talking about special teams and the Rams did not renew John Fossil's contract. So he was a, a special team. Yeah. Go. And Wade Phillips as well. Um, Wade Phillips obviously has history with the Dallas Cowboys, but Fossil will now be the special teams coach um, under Mike McCarthy in Dallas. And I think like this is a point in Mike McCarthy's column for me, like a win for him, because if he is recognized, if he has evolved and he's recognizing places that maybe he is deficient to take one of the most creative special teams coaches in the league um, and bring them into his into his I don't know, circus tent, um, bring him in. ecosystem. There you go. Um, <laughs> Let's use a highly corporate word. There you go. Um, um, I think that th- that shows. um I like that. That shows some creativity. That shows some self-reflection, some self-awareness. And I particularly like the DC that he hired. Yeah. M- Mike Nolan. Yep. Uh, yeah. Love Mike Nolan, uh, my TV dad for one year on the NFL Network. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mike Nolan and I are, are we're tight. That's cool. Yeah. Because, uh, because when I was looking at the Cowboys vacancy, I thought maybe Dan Campbell, the OC. Well, I guess he's like the assistant head coach. He's not yeah. OC because Sean's calling the place. Um, you definitely know OC. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but there were all of these rumors that Jerry Jones had gone after Sean Payton. And obviously he re-upped with the Saints for a, a lot of money. And But if you couldn't get him, the next best thing, the young guy, the splashy name could be Dan Campbell. Um, you didn't get him. You went to defense. I think this is really good for Van Der Esch and yeah. uh, Jalen Smith. Too. Oh, yeah. I think like every job is appealing in Dallas because they have like superstars at, at different levels of the like team. So, but, it, but Nolan has elevated that linebacking core that used to be a joke two years ago. Mario Davis is having like a, a, a big play. career resurgence yeah. with that team. And yeah. they're doing it without key pieces of their D line. Yeah. You know, oh, I love I love Mike Nolan. So I think that's um. There's a cute picture of us hanging around somewhere on the internet, like cute. arm in arm. It's it's adorable. I so I'm it. I'm happy for Mike. So but if the defense beefs up, I guess this also means even more reason that Zeke Elliott, I think, should yeah. not be downgraded. And on the special teams note too, if you spend any time, if you really hate yourself and spend any time on like Cowboys Twitter, all they do is complain about like having the league's worst special teams. So it and I think they were, I think they were like 32nd in special teams DVOA or something like that. So yeah, there there's a lot of work to do there. So we talked about Sean Payton not having an OC because he calls all the plays. We should also mention that Eric Bieniemy, who it is said does not call the plays as the OC in Kansas City, uh, Andy Reid is apparently the only one who holds a clipboard, um, is has not found a job yet, though he is in play at Cleveland, which is the last uh, position that has an opening, yeah. last team that has an opening. I think Cleveland's expected to fill it by the end of this week, like by this Josh weekend. Josh Daniels or Bianami, right? It's yeah, McDaniel's or or Eric Bianami. Um, they are interviewing Jim Schwartz though, and it's they're interviewing Jim Schwartz and Kevin Stefanski, the um, Vikings offensive coordinator for the Vikings. Slash. And this is, I think, if they go with McDaniel's, who the owner has wanted forever, like he's always he's always coveted McDaniel's. He wants him to be the guy. If they go with him, then you see Jimmy Haslam still has a pull, and I think that you're. There's still going to be some push and pull in that organization because Paul D. Podesta, also the analytics baseball guy, also has Jimmy Haslam's ear. Now, if they go with someone like Stefanski and then they promote, I think it's Andrew Barry to GM Mm -hmm. within the, within, then it's, that would actually probably be the best outcome for the Browns because then it just shows they're all on the same page. And I have to say, like, I love the idea of Baker Mayfield in that offense. Like, because I think that the Vikings offense, when it has been clicking this year, like when it clicks, it clicks 
so good. I love everything that they do in terms of screens, play action, like getting layup throws in there for Kirk Cousins, you know, running the ball really well. It'd be great news for a guy like Nick Chubb. Like I think that system, if if Stefanski brings in some of those very analytics-heavy concepts into his offense along with some of the Kubiak contingent influence. But that's the part of it. How much – I mean, if you're going to say that – um, Biennemi isn't worthy of an HC job because he isn't calling the plays, then how much of this offense belongs to Stefanski and how much of it belongs to Kubiak? It's the same damn argument. It is the same argument. And I think both of you, I think, I think Biennemi shouldn't have a head coaching job at this point. I think he's worthy of it. I think Andy Reid has said he is the, Andy Reid has said that he is the best head coach in waiting he's ever had. Although I think he might have said the same thing about Matt Nagy. But either, yeah, but he got a job. But he got a job. Either way. Every, it's it's not it should not be lost in the fact that he's he's a black man. Uh, Jim Trotter from the NFL Network like said it's very clear like there's this is a huge problem in the league right now. And I think Kimberly Martin wrote a piece about it in September, which is a great one to revisit. Like this is a problem for the league, and it's not it's not a, it's not a good look right now. It's not a good look, and it also unfortunately puts the onus on. People of color within the media space who are not as predominant as, um, you know, not whiteies like myself sure. um, <laughs> um, to have to highlight it or spotlight it then. And in turn, that makes them look like they're complaining or that they have a yeah. bias. And so it's particularly frustrating because there is some. Listen, the world is created to buy people people who the world is created by the people in charge and the people in charge want to do things that look like them in experiences that they've had and that they understand and so the nfl looks a lot like the powerful positions within the nfl look a lot like the owners in the yep. nfl who've all had a particularly less than uh, i'm trying to be good um who've had a particularly perhaps singular experience yeah oh no i mean it's it's definitely a theme Right. So um, I would say, though, from if we are going to talk analytics from a dollars and cents perspective, if you are Josh McDaniels and you are going to move from New England, from Boston to Cleveland (laughs) and you're going to take up all that is the experience that is the Cleveland Browns, like that's a lot there to hoist on your shoulders. And you have you have worked under Belichick and this is your last probably chance at an HC job because Denver didn't work out and you ghosted on. Indie, so you got to make this one work. You and you just saw Royal get paid when he got paid. You are going to want so much money and so much power, and ownership has got to be in line with that if they're going to make that call. But if you have someone like Bienemy or Stefanski, then I think that's the value pick, right? Bienemy also a former running back, so uh, and and works within a works within like a run friendly scheme that has an electric, accurate quarterback. So now you have that would work well for Nick Chubb. That works well for the engine of this offense. It highlights the two things that this this team wants to do and the two players that it needs to elevate offensively. And you are not going to pay through the nose. The question is, after seeing another sleeper pick, an unknown, be completely undisciplined, and I'm talking about Freddie Kitchens, make a disaster of things, are you willing to take any more risks or do you just want, are you willing to like pay for the thing you know? Yeah. And that's why I, if I had to bet on it, I think I'd end up thinking that it's going to be Kevin Stefanski because it's it's the alignment, you know, it's the thing like having everybody on the same page. It I really think bugs is huge. me though that like he's that that there isn't an excuse for the Kubiak piece of it. Yeah. 
But anyway, um, let's talk about Minnesota because they pulled off probably the biggest upset of Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. Brought down the Saints. Uh, no one gave them a chance to uh, to do it per Mike Zimmer, and which is true, though. Like, no one was picking the Vikings to win that game. But, man, if you're the Saints, it's got to bother you that Taysom Hill's the best player on the field. Like, you know. The, I was uh, about to <laughs> I mean, I was going to make a similar point about Taysom Hill looking better than Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, their best plays on offense were when Taysom Hill was on the mm-hmm. field. And, like, you can hate the Taysom Hill thing all you want from from fantasy perspective. and like Because what is he? Because no, no one will let you flex him. And, oh, my God, what a terrible thing. No one, no one tweets that we should be able to flex Taysom Hill when he, like, has a five-yard run, a five-yard catch, and a five-yard pass. Like, no, no one tweets it then. By the way, those are the games you're looking at if you really want to flex Taysom Hill. But that's not the point. The point and is— And John Payton's, like, saving his most creative stuff for, like— the postseason, which hasn't been seen, and that's going to center to... I mean, yes, he used Taysom Hill explosively in times past, but not to this level, right? Yeah. Um, I, I just... It's... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should. I, maybe that's my next uh, article. Why you shouldn't be able to flex Taysom Hill to save you from yourself. But that's not the point here. The point here is Drew Brees looked old. Yeah. He has. He's looked old. I mean, I we all thought that maybe the elbow injury or the hand injury at the beginning of the season would actually be silver lining because he would stay fresh. And he finished the year great, like from a numbers perspective. Yeah. Not not the postseason there. Um, I think Kirk Cousins is interesting here because he bucks a narrative. And I still, but I still don't think that I can believe in him. Like it's a, I mean, I've, I've, if you rewatch, I think it's the 2016 season when Washington goes into Seattle and upsets Russell and the Seahawks. It's an incredible, I want to say it's around week 10. It is an incredible game. And Kirk Cousins puts that whole damn team on his back. And also, it was just part of the Sunday slate. Nobody yeah. was watching. It's the big moments where you're scared for Kirk, right? Where yeah. you can get in his head and get super flustered. And this was him. And we saw it on Monday night, right? Like he's 0 and 9 on, on MNF. And, but he did it here. He found Kyle Rudolph. Like, he felt the blitz coming. He found Kyle Rudolph uncovered in the end zone. And boom, that was it. And chucked a dime to Adam Thielen to get them to that yep. goal line play. So, like, yeah. And I Dalvin mean, Cook was healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It was all. I mean, look, this is the thing with Kirk Cousins is like, he's a good quarterback. Like, yeah. he's a great thrower of the football. It's just these, he's just so, so overly narrativized, which is not probably not a word, but still, I, I just think that. He is who he is. Like it, it, I don't know what we're doing here, debating. Kirk. Like, he's not worth his contract, but who cares? Like this, it's a his was a matter of timing and leverage. Anything to say about the Saints, um, the loser, looking forward to next year from a fantasy perspective? I mean, let's see what their quarterback room looks like. It's an, they're all unrestricted free agents. Well, I read a report saying that Teddy was not going to leave. No, yeah, no, I think he'll. He but he's seen, a career backup. Yeah, Bridgewater, Hill, and Breeze all. Up for free agency. We'll see what that looks like next year. Does Drew Brees go back to the Chargers? God. Um, Brady and Brees, both knocked out in round one, both free agents this offseason. Very interesting to talk about. Mm -hmm. We'll have plenty of offseason to do it. Um, All right. Then what's the the other game? The Death Star blew up. Oh, let's talk about Tom Brady. Taken down by... uh, (laughs) He looked old, too. He looked old, taken down by Vrabel, and then the week before Flores. Like that's what's fascinating to me is that like had they beat Miami, 
then they would have gotten the first round by that I think would have made the difference because everyone knows this stat now, right? Like Bill Belichick and Brady have never won a Super Bowl without securing the first round by. And the last time they played a wild card game was in 2010. Yeah. Into the 2009 season, literally the calendar right. year 2010. 10, yes. I graduated high school that year. It was a long time ago. It was, like, it was a decade ago. Yeah, that was last decade. Well, well, I don't know. <laughs> was it? That's hard to say. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, the Patriots have a lot of like they have a litany of questions. Not just the Brady question because Brady's made it clear he don't want to retire. Like he still has more to prove. He has more to prove. He doesn't want to end on that note. The whatever. last throw of his career being a pick a, a pick six to a former team logan ryan logan ryan nice hashtag revenge, revenge game. game yep uh but he does the thing with brady is like where is he gonna go other than new england i think that's why this i think the smart money is he comes back to new england but like well there's uh, nobody behind him right they got rid of reset they got rid of garoppolo there's yeah. nobody behind him yeah i think if garoppolo's there and if even uh jacoby Brissett is there i think we're having a different conversation like then i think new england's like Time to start over. Or if Josh McDaniels isn't there. Yeah. Like, that's part of a conversation, too. Because if McDaniels isn't there, then, like, you at 43 want to learn a whole... I mean, you're not going to really learn a whole new thing, but it's kind of... Like, you're going to have to... Maybe the playbook isn't that different, but, like, the personalities are, the somebody quirks, different. like, ugh. Like, remember when, like, Brady and McDaniels just, like, scream at each other on the sideline? Like, you got to be comfortable with somebody to be able to interact yeah. that way. Um, and I think, too, just... It's just interesting because I think Brady wants to get paid this time. Like once because he's he's going to theoretically walk he's in. He's taking the hometown discount yeah, is what you're referring to. And he no longer wants to take the hometown discount because this is his literal last contract. I think he wants to go out there and feel the market. But what if there's not a big market? I mean, it sounds weird to say that about the best player of all time in the sport, perhaps, at least a quarterback position. But – what, who's who's in the market for a 43-year-old quarterback who showed his age last year? Like, there's not a team. The Chargers. But the chart, like, do you, if you're Tom Brady, you want to go play for the Chargers? Well, like, yeah. Let me, let me, let me, hold on. Spill it, spell so it. So I was at a me. bar in Cabo. And let me tell you, when the Titans won, the entire, I'm in an international waters here. The entire pool bar, <laughs> swim up bar, went bananas cheering and there was one woman who was from LA and she said she was a Patriots fan she was the only person not she's a Patriots fan living in LA vacationing in Cabo said uh what a life I know that's uh that woman wins at all the things (laughs) what a a life (laughs) Um, I bet she lives near the airport too so um she said that's fine I'm gonna see plenty of him in LA and I just like casually like someone of my skinny spicy was like what do you mean by that and she was like, well, everybody knows that Spanos wants to bring him here because the team can't sell any PSLs. And I was like, oh, bitch, we're about to be friends. Yeah. And like we had a conversation about it and she wouldn't reveal some sources, but she was somehow plugged in to something and was making a very cogent case for Brady coming back. Like His wife out earns him. Mm-hmm. She's based in LA. They have a gorgeous Malibu estate. The kids are based here. He put his he's home in Massachusetts from, from, sale, from California. He's from California. They put the house in Massachusetts up for sale. And you have an opportunity to for a year or so behind that offensive line. Um <laughs> and I that's be miserable. <laughs> but how this is not a man who's ever shied away from adversity, yeah. right? And now you can like stay close to home. 
not have everybody flying all over the place. And I do believe him to be like a solid family man who's not like out partying or whatever. He's 43. He's dad. I mean, he's got to go home and plug into the charging port at night. So he can't (laughs) go out to clubs. And and then you do Spanos a solid for that money, which also, by the way, affects your legacy, right? Because if you end up like the highest paid quarterback and the most winning quarterback, then that's the record books clearly matter to this guy. So and now I think the Chargers give the Rams a little bit of run for the foothold in the market. Oh, yeah. Especially Rams coming off a down year. There's no there's there's an argument there. That's the that's the one. It just is going to like. Maybe it's just a bidding war between the Chargers, who are maybe then in it for the wrong reasons. You could say. I mean, I mean, it's a business reason. How much? How much better from an on-field perspective is Brady than Philip Rivers right now? Well, I would say much better. And also, if you give Brady some damn receivers, then we have a different story. Like he gets Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Williams, Hunter Henry. Henry's a free agent, but could come back. Wants to come back. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more to work with there than. Julian Edelman and, and Dust. Perfectly said. Yeah. Perfectly said. Let's talk about the Titans, though. I mean, yeah. I'm here for it. Love it. Thank um, you. Ryan Tannehill's getting, Ryan Tannehill just made so much money. Oh, yeah. And he, he didn't, and he didn't even have, have a good game. You know, like, he it, it, Derrick Henry was the engine of the offense. Like, that's another interesting situation. Those two guys are both free agents in the offseason. Tannehill's coming back. For sure. He'll be back. Franchise tag, deal, whatever. Henry's an interesting question. I think he'd probably you think they'd want to keep him around too, but it's just it's just fascinating for for next but a lot of talk on that later, but yeah, this is this is a this over is, under 20 million for yeah. Tannehill. Oh, well, if he gets the franchise tag, it's over. Franchise tag's 28 mil mm. this year. So like he's he, that's the th- interesting thing about Brady is he wrote out the they're not allowed to franchise tag him this year. He wrote that into his next deal and which clearly shows like it's not even just it's 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 not even just getting paid one year. It's getting paid a couple of years like he mm. wants he wants to get a two year deal or something like that. Not a year. But they like the Patriots made it clear they want to take a year by year. Brady doesn't want to take a year by year. No, so, I don't blame him. Forty three. Why would you? Yeah. Tannehill. Is going to cash in over 20 mil for sure. It's a folk hero now. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think he's the Tie Fighter that took down the damn Death Star. This no, is it. You're a little mixed up there. The Tie Fighters were on the same side as the Death Star. Oh, X-wing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Luke Skywalker, and then uh, the Millennium Falcon in the in the in the next time they blew up the Death Star. I've watched a lot of Star Wars myself lately. Um, oh, you were talking about that. Yeah. Um, AJ Brown is someone that you were very excited by. You have been since yeah, the draft. Yeah. You wrote a little. I saw because I was late to the doc. Um, a little, a I little was just something. Happy I wasn't last this time. Oh, <laughs> I got a couple texts this morning. Um, but, but I thought it was due Thursday. Sorry, but why don't you talk to me about your because AJ Green, AJ Brown of all of the things you were most excited for in 2020, fantasy wise. AJ Brown was at the top of the list. Why? Yeah, well, I'm not just excited about the fact that he's an awesome player. And like guaranteed going to, you know, out target 84 looks from this year. Um, I think he's a guy that you're going to have to pay like a third round pick for. Uh, James Coe asked me this when we were doing our live stream for the Madden previews that we do uh, every week. You can check those out at Yahoo Fantasy. We do it. Uh, we're doing it Tuesday next week for the AFC Championships. And the ones, the recaps we've done are going to be on our YouTube page. But anyways, he asked me, where do you think he's going to go in fantasy next year? I think you can pay a third round pick like. Chris Godwin ended up creeping into the third round at the end of this year. And A.J. Brown has just as good of a resume like coming into this year, if not better, 
than Chris Godwin did coming into 2019. So I think that you're really looking at a situation where you're going to, if you want him on your fantasy, you have to pay up a lot for him. And I think it's going to be interesting to see who wants to do that, who wants to shy away. Cause He's not going to score touchdowns or get yards per reception at the clip he did this year, but there's no question he's going to get a volume boost. Like this guy's unbelievably good. I agree. I don't. I don't think that. And he's also going to continue to win after the catch. That's like what he does. He breaks a million tackles. So yeah, yeah, for sure. We, let's talk about the Eagles game, the Eagles Seahawks game. Oh, it was the only Wentz. boring game of the whole slate. Every, I mean, two overtime games, a, a massive upset, and then which like what a snoozer to end on. I was okay with that because like I was tired by the end of all these exciting games. Like at the end, of, like the end of the Bills Texans game I was like, damn, I gotta watch another one of those. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm tired. Um, so Carson Wentz. Gets hit by Jadavian Clowney. There's a lot of uh, debate as to whether or not it was a dirty hit or a fair hit. You be it the is judge. what it is. Yeah. Right? 43-year-old Josh McCown comes in. 40-something-year-old. Tries to do it. He, he, he was he all right. He was, I mean, he was, he was fine. I mean, he was just... Inter- like he, just, he was out there running around. He just doesn't have the the body to do it anymore. I was an ESPN analyst, like... Right. Five months ago. Like he finds a hole yeah. and he's like, oh, instinctively, I should run through that. I mean, that's kind of like was the end of the game. Right. Like yeah. and then it was like, oh, you get stuffed immediately because there's a 22 year old right there. Yeah, Right. Right. I, I don't know. I think the the worst part about the Eagles loss or this season is they did so much with so little that you're it never got to like run its course. We never got to see what it could be. We never yeah. like it just it was just a victim of circumstance. Yeah, and I think like even this Wentz injury, like you know, Philly talk radio will be all about guy can't stay healthy. Blah, 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 blah. A concussion like, is not the same thing as yeah. like multiple knee injuries. One guy's head dropped on the other guy's head. What are you gonna? Yeah, like, Chris what are you Long gonna do? tweeted about this yeah. brilliantly. If you just go look at Chris Long's timeline, and it's perfectly stated. Yeah, like what are you gonna do? So, I mean, I think that you just, you just the Eagles have a lot to be excited about though going forward because I think. Miles Sanders, you know, they, they discovered that they could do so much with so little. Now let's see if they can actually beef up this offense, like get some skill position depth for God's sakes, you and, know? And this is not everything is linear. Something is spiralic. And like, I feel like the benefit, the silver lining here is that you did find pieces you didn't even know existed before that you can work from. Yeah. Like Boston Scott, you know, Greg Ward, like Dallas Goddard, these guys stepped up and yeah, I mean, Howie Roseman actually, that's a great point to say, like, not everything is linear. Like, sometimes, he, Howie Roseman said that himself, like, when he got, and the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I think he was speaking at some conference, whatever it was. He said, like, everyone thinks of their career as just a consistent, like, upward trajectory mm-hmm. and, like, good things, good things, good things, good things, and it just keeps accelerating. But there are peaks and valleys to a career, and there are peaks and, valley, peaks and valleys to most franchises as well, other than New England. Like, New England's just been the consistent, like, we're at the top and we're here. But everybody else, like... It's hard to win a Super Bowl. You know, it's hard. You win one. It's hard to keep going back and back and back because sometimes, like, the Eagles are just the perfect, like, happens team. Like, they had more injuries than they could possibly deal with, and they were fortunate to even get this far. And the Seahawks, I think, are also an example. I mean, we saw them almost win the division by a half an inch. Yeah. Right? And yet put up not so much. And DK Metcalf, I mean, if we're talking about fines, like, mm-hmm. what a great value there but i also uh feel like the seahawks to me are a team that is just always right at the level of competition and maybe you could argue that a run first offense like invites we've said enough times that a run first offense invites these close games right you're never gonna come out to a lead but it'd be interesting to see 
but when you have Russell Wilson, like that's it, he's, a, he's a quarterback that can succeed in clutch situations. So you can flirt with a close game and they have, yeah. and it's a continual, like, I, I don't know the stats on it, but like, I would love to see the percentage of blowouts versus one score games that the Seahawks have won. Well, they have their record in close games this year is absurdly like favorable and yeah. their point differential is terrible <laughs> because they're like, they're just a, Look, with Seattle, like the normal rules just don't apply. They're just like I think not it was a, a one and team. a half point. They were one and a half point favorites on the road only as well. Yeah, and they're four and a half point dogs on the road this week, which is pretty good. Like that's not that big of a line for uh, the Packers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting though. Um, all right, fantasy wise, like this backfield, when, there's so many injuries. Like we know yeah. DK Matt. Where, where, do, where do you think DK, DK Metcalf is going in August? Sixth round? Sixth round, fifth round? Sixth round is when I... The, who's, who do you, this is another question James and I got today on the live stream. Who do you draft first in 2020, Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? I would ultimately still say, well, it's, I would, so I would say Tyler Lockett in a vacuum. However, when I look at the other players that are going probably around the fourth round, probably I would imagine Lockett goes around the fourth in a 12 team, um, then I might say, nah, I'll take somebody else who I know is a more uh, viable number one with a bigger volume and maybe get a discount two rounds later on Metcalf. It's an interesting, like, yeah, I think the answer is Tyler Lockett, you're drafting first, but it is, I, you, you, the, I might not draft Tyler Lockett and just draft DK Metcalf a couple rounds later. It's an interesting yeah. question. All right. Last uh, game was the first game, Bills, the Texans. Bills-Texans game. Feels like a million years ago. Yeah, it feels like a million years um, ago. I mean, it also took like a million years off everybody's life. Like, Josh Allen, bro. What? I, I tweeted like going into the fourth Bill quarter. Bill O'Brien, bro. Yeah, all well, the whole thing. <laughs> like... Every the 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 game was just like the extremes of both teams. Yeah, like perfectly stated. Yep, the Texans suck. Like opening game, like opening up games. Their first quarters are terrible. They can really dig themselves into a hole fast because they're like Bill O'Brien is dumb and conservative, like to a fault, and doesn't let like and and Deshaun also is just kind of like a slow starter sometimes. Like he's a very volatile player in and of himself, and the Bills like were. We know our identity. We're hard-nosed. We're disciplined. And, like, Josh Allen was making big plays and, like, playing well in the first quarter. And then the, the second half, it's like Deshaun comes alive, like, goes superhuman mode. And Josh Allen goes into WTF mode. Like, it was the, everybody's extreme of their personality came out in that game. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, but this is the same, like, a run. Fra- also, Frank Gore getting meaningful carries. Late yeah. in the game is a little bit head-scratching. We've talked about Devin Singletary from a fantasy perspective and how I believe that he is going to be a value next year because he has this, you know, mobile quarterback who's going to vulture him at the goal line, etc. But he's had a horrible schedule, but, but got a workhorse um, load at the Big end, of, at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that just seemed like a mistake. And also, it, I think it always comes back. Like, if you are going to have a hashtag establish the run offense, then you have to have a quarterback. Get you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Josh Allen ain't it. Like, he does no. a million things well, and he's exciting, and he's fun, and he's a wonderful meme. Yeah. But he's not going to win you a championship unless your defense can really get you up. Here's the difference. you People always talk about, yeah, but what about, like, Denver and Peyton Manning? You talk, Peyton Manning might have been dust, but his cerebrally from the broken neck up yeah. was still Peyton Manning. That's the problem is that, like, 
Josh well, Josh Allen can throw you out of games. Yeah, like he threw the he, he worked them out of that game. The longer it went on, sorry, we got a brutal. lot of bleeps on this one. My apologies. <laughs> I just wound up the new year. What can I say? I'm bringing the passion, bringing the heat. Better that than the alternative. The Texans will. I'm, I mean, this game is going to be fun, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Nine and a Kansas City Arrowhead, yeah. tough place to play. So I've heard. Yeah, uh, fifty-one point over under per bet MGM. Uh, Texans are or the Texans are ten point road dogs. I think that sounds perfect to me. Like high scoring game, the Chiefs I think win comfortably, but not like blow them out. Chiefs win comfortably, but not blow them out. Yep, that makes sense to me because I also have more faith in Andy Reid slash Eric Bieniemy than I do oh, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, also, isn't it tough? It's a tough look for the Texans to be like, hey, you're in the divisional round, solid stuff. But it's tough that we're sitting here like, hey, the guy that you've made like your all-powerful coach, GM combo, we're all – that's the thing we're most nervous about. Yeah, but it's it also makes him unfireable because he may not be a good coach, but like he also put together one hell of a personnel. Yeah. Oh, like, right. you're saved by your I mean, GM you no, acumen. You have no resources at all to <laughs> this year, but good on you. Um, very weird team. Very weird team. Uh, for If you're playing DFS, and you should because it's super fun this time of year. Yeah. Who, um, who doesn't want to play Jimmy Graham? The options are limited. Um Deshaun Watson is priced at 30. So the, number, the most expensive quarterback on the board is Lamar Jackson. We're going to talk about him in a sec. Um, then Patrick Mahomes at home. Is thirty seven dollars, I believe, and then Deshaun Watson is thirty six, and I like Deshaun Watson and his rushing floor from a fantasy or from a DFS perspective. In this one, I mean, he basically split carries with Carlos Hyde. Yeah, last week, um, and Will Fuller, it should be noted, is also back for this game. He's expected to be healthy and on the field, and I believe he's only fourteen dollars in DFS. Yeah, and Juan Thornhill, the Chiefs' safety, is out. Nice. So that's nice a nug, man. good, good little, uh, good little look for a deep threat there. Mm, delicious. Um, I'm really excited about Nicole Hardman in 2020. Me too. Let's get Sammy Watkins out of here. Oh, I, there. I think they'd have seven million in dead cap space if they let him go. It's kind of a lot. We'll yeah, see. then you ask Demarcus Robinson to restructure, though, and you give, and I mean, Hardman costs nothing, and he becomes the wide receiver, too. You have two amazing speedsters, and you got Travis Kelsey, like the big man in the middle, catching yeah, all the even jump if balls. You just, even if you're just out there like Sammy Watkins, like you stay on the roster, but, you know, do some do some routes here and there, read up on your alien lizards and all that, and, like, you know, just, just don't do too much. McCole Hardman, fifth in team targets, seven touchdowns on the season, over 29 catches. Awesome. Bananas. Also, hey, we're talking about Will Fuller. I'd much rather take um, a flyer on McCole Hardman. Probably what in like the tenth-ish round, depending on how the rest of the receiving core shakes out, than Will Fuller, who is always going in the seventh, and people hoping he's healthy. It was me in 2019. All right, Tennessee at Baltimore. Uh, Lamar is the truth. I mean, we have everyone. I don't. I don't know anyone who does not want the Ravens. To go to the Super Bowl. I'm yeah. We are going to be at the Super Bowl. And yeah. like, I, I'm rooting for Baltimore. Your Please. aunt's rooting for Baltimore. Yep. The whole fam wants Baltimore there. Uh, well, And we want to thank Tennessee for falling on a sword. Thank you for the sacrifice. You are the lamb which got us here. Yeah. And thank you for a wonderful season. Thank you for a wonderful story. But the story's over. I think there's a decent chance like Baltimore just kicks the kicks the crap out of I them here. I hope so. I like to. I like. They Tennessee. had that week to get healthy too. Yeah. So, I mean, you had like Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews like hobbling around yeah. at the end of the season. Mark Ingram is not 
practicing, but it could be that they're taking it easy on his calf injury that had a little bit of a flare up coming into this week. So we'll see on that. But either way, like you got Justice Hill. Yeah, right. There, we haven't. Let's unleash some Justice Hill. That would be fun. I think the way Tennessee's defense is it just doesn't match up very well to Baltimore's offense. And I like Vrabel. I like the Tannehill story. I love Derrick Henry. Love AJ Brown. But like, that's enough. Goodbye. I also have like a. I don't know if that I should. I feel like Boykin's going to get more involved than people are anticipating in this one, too. Let's hope. I mean, that's another thing they can unveil. Marquise Brown is also only $14 in DFS. So that's a that's a nice sneaky value. Any nugs about the, the safety core in uh, the, the DBs in Tennessee, Matt? Well, you know, Malcolm Butler's been uh, hurt for quite Come some on, time. That's old news. <laughs> He's been quite hurt for quite some time. <laughs> Nothing else? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no new, no new 2020 nugs. Minnesota at San Francisco, maybe two of the most prolific rushing teams in the league. Well, Baltimore and Tennessee also. All these teams are damn rushing teams. Um, but Minnesota at San Francisco. San Francisco is a uh, six and a half point favorite at home. I think the 49ers win this one, but I'm. Six and a half is is like exactly the right yeah. line. Like if it was five, I might expect San Francisco. Um, here's what I will say, though. We know that the San Francisco defense was super, super banged up at the end of the season, missing a lot of key pieces, but also got that buy, which you talked about in our last episode, that they needed in order to get healthy. And I feel like Kirk Cousins... We have to believe, like, yes, he can do the impossible thing, but if he did the impossible thing on the regular, he wouldn't have the reputation he does. So if I'm imagining that San Francisco's defense is healthier now and they're going to bring the pressure to Kirk, I'm also going to imagine that he's going to get a little bit scrambled and therefore advantage goes to the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I think that the week off for the 49ers helps a lot to get them healthy, too. Like, they had a lot of injuries in, on defense coming into this postseason. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think, oh. it's a, I, yeah, I think it's a huge deal for them, especially from a pass rush perspective, because that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought that, that was sorely lacking from New Orleans. And then Diggs maybe doesn't get taken away, but has a battle with Sherman. Well, it's like these— They're doing the sides. They have, Richard's usually on the one side, and then, like— Thielen and Diggs move around so much that I think they'll all see a little bit of him. I think Thielen might get lucky in the slot, though, if they move him into the middle more. Depends how much, like, 11 personnel they play, yeah. Yeah, which they don't play very much of. I just wanted to say one thing on the, you know, because you said these are very, like, they're run-heavy teams, and they are, like, run-heavy teams. These are also, just because I know this narrative is, is going around after, like, you're looking at these... um the the like the the NBC threw up a graphic about like the top five rush yard teams are in the playoffs like and then of course football Twitter because all football Twitter wants to do is argue about this type of uh, just also worth noting these are some of the best passing teams in the league too Baltimore sixth in passing passing success rate Houston tenth we've got Kansas City at three uh, we have the 49ers at eight Seattle at nine the only real outlier. And if Tennessee, of course, uh, Tennessee is 15th, but is much better in the second half of the season with Tannehill. The only one that's the worst passing team of the bunch, though, success rate wise, the Green Bay Packers at 19th. You're talking about success rate. Yeah. I was talking about total number of. Points. Oh, I know. I know. This is that's the thing. Like, okay. These are run heavy teams because they're the good team. They're the good teams. Like, and they're also based around good run schemes and yeah. stuff like that. I just think it's interesting the relationship between that. And I just think it's an interesting tie into the Packers who. They're sixth in rushing success rate, 19th in passing success rate. And they're third in terms of offensive passing plays called. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's an inefficient squad. Um, I 
don't I'm I would if if Green Bay is the four point favorite, I am going to I'm gonna take Seattle. Uh this is the game I feel like I have the least feel on. Feel on, yeah. Yeah. And but it's it's one of the ones I'm most looking forward to watching because I think I just want to see how it goes. Like, how is Rogers gonna look? You know, like people are not juiced about Green Bay. Like they're a number two seed, they're thirteen and three. Um they're but they're like one of the worst thirteen and three teams of all time according to DVOA. So like this is a very interesting game and I don't have a good read on how I just I want to trust Seattle to go in and pull a road upset, but I also like just don't trust them at all. Like they're coming out of last week and saying we need to run the ball more. <laughs> what? Well also didn't they I mean they need to run the ball more, but I believe both Homer and um Marshawn Lynch averaged under like under yeah under two yards a carry. I mean it, it it didn't go well. In no. fact, Ru- Russell was just like, I, you know what? F it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. But that's like also They've what got both some of these Texans quarterbacks do. in them in a way, except yeah. Bill O'Brien's not a good coach. And Pete Carroll is a good coach, even if some weirdness He's there. a good culture coach, we'll say. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so what, what, who would you take? I think I'd take Seattle in the points, but I'm still picking Green Bay to win. Yeah. Outright. But you think Seattle would cover? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm feeling Super as well. close. Late game field goal here. What's the over-under out of curiosity here? I think it's, it's 47 low. and a half. Oh, I take the under on that, too. Yep. All right. Well, that is going to do it, I believe. Yes, Raghu, Captain Raghu. Okay, Captain Raghu says we may be released. So we are going to take our leave. Thank you so much for joining us for the first episode of the new year. Hope we didn't drag on, but it's been a minute. Um, we'll be back next week to talk more football stuff, maybe a little fantasy stuff too. Enjoy the games, play DFS, follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And we're out.